This is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast, and I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and often we may not feel good enough. I'm here to help you face these challenges head on. I'm here today with my very favorite pediatric radiologist, Dr. Jonathan Swanson. Hi, Johnny. Hi there. How are you? I met John on my very first day of medical school. We were in line for lunch. We were. That was not when we first met, though. <laughs> oh, shoot, that's right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we met on the very first day of medical school. I can't trust a word she says. <laughs> totally. Um, and we met, actually, after a talk where I went up to make a comment, and you did too. And at that moment, realized how eloquent you were. And so instead of making a comment, I said ditto to everything she just said. It's true. Anyway, and then we were married in 2002. John and I have two little boys. Um, They're now seven and nine years of age. And in addition to being a pediatric radiologist, we um, and I'm a pediatrician, we co-parent these kids and we are doing our best, but we think this is pretty tough. It's really tough. (laughs) Yeah. So we're here to talk about kind of Uh, You know, the experience of being a parent and advocating for your child when something goes wrong and you have to seek health care and there are decisions being made about diagnostic radiology tests like CT scans and x-rays that have radiation. And we're here to first kind of open this, I think, telling a story that, I, you know, I just think the world needs to know. We wrote about this a few years back on the blog, Seattle Mama Doc, or I wrote about it, after we had an experience where we were at a medical conference. In fact, a radiology conference. Down in San Diego. Yeah. What what is it? What's it called? The Society of Pediatric Radiology. Right. There we were. We were in San Diego. We had uh, Odin, our youngest, and Finn, our older son. Odin was an infant, and Finn was there. And Jonathan was presenting, uh, actually, with his brother on some global health research at this conference. So we were down there. And that was back when we used to travel to conferences together, which we just don't do anymore. (laughs) Way too much work and totally insane. Anyway, so we were there. And um, we woke up one morning, and Finn, our older son, had been um, in the room sleeping with um, my brother-in-law, David. And... uh, he woke up screaming, right? Like, like, a, like, like a demon. Like, like just a batso kid. Batso kid. Like in a way we'd never heard him scream before. And we were really spooked by it. And we're at this hotel. We're in San Diego. We're like out of the element. And he's screaming. Like we can't get him to stop screaming. And then we start to realize like he won't move his neck. He won't move his arm. He won't move his chest. And we're like, oh. And David says something like, he might have fallen off the bed. We're like, what? And we're like, for you know, like. We still consider ourselves first-time parents, don't you think? (laughs) We are definitely first-time parents. Uh, And David, in every other way, is an amazing parent. Oh, my God. He's he's the the most kind, most compassionate, thoughtful, wise, insightful, empathetic guy. And so he was a little bit spooked, too. We were all, like, three deers, three headlights, like, wah! And Odin's, like, sitting there screaming probably, too. So we freak out. We think he's either broken his clavicle, broken his humerus, the upper bone in your arm, uh, or we just were, or he's got a neck injury, right? I mean, that was the other thing we were yeah, worried about. Yeah, if there about. are only two doctors around, that would be great. Pediatrician <laughs> right. and pediatrician. So we freak out. We throw Feeny into the, we don't throw him. We gently place him carefully in his Lovingly. car seat. <laughs> Lovingly car seat. And we head off and we ask like the front desk, like where's the closest place to get care? So we drive and we end up at like an urgent care. Or like a community hospital. 
it was a community hospital, but it had an urgent care, I think, attached to it or something. It was a yeah. little building or whatever. So we pop in there, and there's a physician there. And we get triage just like the morning, so there's nobody there. And we get triage pretty quickly, and the nurse is there, and the doc comes in, and he tries to evaluate Finn, just like I tried to evaluate Finn and you tried to evaluate Finn. And he's really spooked by it, too, because we don't have a good story. And this happens all the time when you're taking care of kids, right? They can't tell you exactly what happened. You are doing a great job, but there are moments when you are not eyes glued to your kid. So, John, you want to tell them what happens? Well, I think it's a great example of the uncomfortable principle in medicine, that the more uncomfortable you are in a situation, the more likely you are to order a test that you may or may not need. And so that uh, emergency medicine doctor was uncomfortable, uh, may not be seeing kids most of the day, and said, you know, we need to get at least a CT scan of the cervical spine, the neck, uh, and we need maybe a head CT too. Yeah, and and so here he is, and he's spooked because he's got two doctors in front of him, and he's spooked, and he's like, basically, we're gonna do what, what we call in the business, like a pan scan, where you like take a CT scan all the way from the head all the way down through the kind of chest area, and we'd give Finn a lot of radiation. We'd give him a lot of radiation to make maybe a. Diagnosis. important diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, to maybe make an important diagnosis, but... But we were uncomfortable. We were uncomfortable. And we were all in that uncomfortable principle. I love that. Never heard that before, actually. We were all uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable. We were uncomfortable. We didn't quite know what to do. And and our gut kicked in. And, you know, I mean, you know, I, I like to use data and evidence, and I but I like to really value instinct, too, and I think there's a place for it. And I, I think, you know, it has served us wrong in the vaccine trust space. This kind of mommy instinct idea um, at times has served us in the, in the wrong way that the act of injecting maybe is more dangerous than the protection you get from a vaccine, which we just know the science is really clear on. But we were in that moment of parenthood where we thought, wait, what are we doing? And then it dawned on us, wait, we could go to Rady Children's Hospital, which is a children's hospital in San Diego. Just down the road. And the care team at the surgeon care was very uncomfortable with it. They said, well, we'll have to transfer him by ambulance. We have to put him on a, you know, on a board to protect his C-spine. I mean, this is after we'd like gently or thrown our kid into his car seat in our very frenetic pace and got to this place. We're like, well, that's crazy. Like at this point, that doesn't make any sense. So what do we do? So we like fugitives, <laughs> we, we tuck and run. <laughs> totally. So we had to – literally, world, we had to sign the paperwork that go, that's called a going against medical advice. We had to sign legal paperwork that said we were not taking the advice of this urgent care facility and we were leaving that in an ambulance. And that's what we did. And we put our son into the car seat. And, and I'm not suggesting you ever do that. I'm just saying this is our story. And we drove down to a children's hospital. We checked in. Um, he gets in the room. We see an emergency medicine doctor who says, you know – A pediatric emergency a pediatric, medicine Yeah, doctor. a pediatric emergency medicine physician who was great. And she evaluated him. And she said, guys, I think he's got spasmatic torticollis. And we were like, oh, right. right. (laughs) Which is just like a tightening in the muscles around the neck that you can get from swollen glands, from a cold. Or sometimes you can just get it from – you can get it from serious reasons. You get it from very benign reasons. She said, let's give the kid some ibuprofen and wait. So at this point, he's in like a little neck brace. We give him some ibuprofen. We take the neck brace off. He moves around fine. And we leave. But it was such a good story. And I know we just drew that out. But, like, I just think if a pediatrician and a pediatric radiologist have to, you know, can get themselves in a position where their kid might get a CT scan they don't really need, um, it, it's worth kind of talking about how we make these decisions. I, I think that's exactly right. And one of the reasons that it's important uh, is that we sample two areas. We sample a community hospital and a pediatric hospital, right, in that yeah. story. We're yeah. in both spots. And, and they're just anecdotes, right? Just but anecdotes. we have some data that we're going to talk about exactly. that can help us. So there is a paper by David Larson 
and his colleagues. Uh, David Larson's a radiologist, pediatric radiologist out of Stanford, and he did this work that said what's happening, what happened with CT scans in America uh, when it came to imaging kids. And so they went back to 1995 and then all the way through 2008. And in 1995, there were, I think, 330,000 CT scans on kids coming through the ED. Uh, and then by 2008, there are 1 million uh, so 650,000. 300% increase. Yeah, it was like some... And that's because all of a sudden it was a new technology. It was more widely available. Right. People could afford to buy CT scanners in their exactly. hospitals. And over time, it became more available in more and more hospitals. Right, and, which is good. And because of the CT spread, there's also a decrease in mortality and an increase in life expectancy. Like, it, it provided all these great things. Right. But in that span of increasing the number of scans that were done... 10% of those were done in children's hospitals, uh, and 90% of the emergency studies done on kids, emergency CT scans, were done in community hospitals. And the reason that this is an interesting data point is that because of the uncomfortable principle again, I think it's more likely, one, that they're going to get scanned in, and this is kind of my bias because I'm a pediatric radiologist working in a children's hospital, and then that they're going to more likely get scanned at a community hospital right. and that the radiologist reading it may like it at a higher dose because it's easier to read um, and they'll feel more, they're not used to looking at pediatric studies, so they may feel more comfortable at a higher dose. Right. So, And we, we talked about that. You know, I mean, I think wh that's one of the true benefits, right, of working with a pediatric team is that they're working really hard to reduce risk wherever they can, and they're accustomed to doing it all day long. If you're taking a team that's taking care of adults all day, they may not dial down the dose of the CT, and they may not even know how to do that properly, although we think because of the Image Gently campaign, that's getting better and better. I think that's right. I think parents uh, beginning to ask to say, can you dial it down, changes things. Yeah. And, uh, and the technology has made it easier and easier to, to have that yeah. dialed down to the right dose. I think it's really hard to be a parent to tell a care team what to do. So I think it's hard to do that even as a pediatrician. Um, but at the same time, I think we are really moving into, I think, better and better models of, of pa true patient and family-centered care where we can. But, I mean, one of the things the Larson study also shows is that there was this big, huge uptick, right, in the number of CTs that were done. And now the number of CTs since 2007 right, is starting to decrease in the United States for children. It has plateaued. Okay. Uh, and so I think part of that is that the spread of the number of CTs that were out there, right. like the machines that are out there, has kind of plateaued. Right. Uh, and part of it is it, we are a little more thoughtful in how we get these studies done, like yeah. when we can use ultrasound, when we can use MRI, when we use these alternative diagnostic non-radiation-based diagnostic tools. We do. We, we do a better job of that now. But we're not perfect, right? So well, one of the studies we were going to talk about was Dr. Lamb's study. So Dr. Lamb's study, Diana Lamb, who uh, was a resident at the University of Washington uh, and now is uh, a breast imager at the University of Washington, and she actually wrote this uh, paper with uh, David Larson and Christoph Lee. So, like, I know everyone's looking for radiology papers to read. Like, those three <laughs> totally. All the parents up, out there. Like, yeah. Yep. Those, Whoa. Those are but you really turners, admire Dr. Diana Lamb. Uh, yeah. She, she's a superstar. And she did this, uh, she did this paper where they reviewed... Uh, all the data is out there, all the papers that have been written, written about how much uh, physicians, both radiologists and non-radiologists, know about CT scans and radiation and how much patients know about it. Right. And it turns out that it's amazing how little uh, how little. Well, what's she find? Like, what's, the, what's the stat? So the stat is that if you ask physicians, only 57% would say that 
ionizing radiation uh, from a CT scan could cause cancer. Okay. So let's stop on that for a second. So 57% of U.S. physicians surveyed said that a CT scan causes ionizing radiation. And we that can cause cancer. Fifty-four percent. Fifty-four. Okay, fifty-four percent team. So I'm just saying half. So the other half are thinking, no, it doesn't really cause radiation that's dangerous or could change the cells in your body to increase a cancer risk later in life. And we know that, right? I mean, in some ways, we know that a high enough dose, right? That we know that at the dose of an atomic bomb, you betcha, that is going to cause cancer. Yep. The dose um, of half an atomic bomb for sure. And then we get down to the dose one from a CT scan, and there's theories that say any amount of cancer or any amount of radiation is going to increase your risk of cancer. And that's just to, just to clearly say that. That's because radiation can change the basically the genetics inside your cells. It can break parts of your cells down. And when your cells get broken or the genes get modified from the radiation, they can go wild. And when they go wild, they can grow into a cancer, right? So right. at any time, radiation from the sun, radiation from the environment, radiation from CT scan, that can lead to cancer risk over time. And, you know, the, the paper that I blogged about, right, from JAMA Pediatrics really did look at and evaluate based on that theory, the idea that there really is an increase in cancer risk in kids who got CT scans, CT scans excuse me, when they're young. No, right. And what, it, what that paper uh, talked about was saying when you look at the increase of the number of CT scans that were done, that means there should be this increase in the number of different types of cancers right. that are out there. And what is a little more controversial now is at these really low doses that you get with diagnostic imaging, is that actually relevant. Is it causing cancer? Like, right. does this this linear no-threshold theory, which we talk about because we don't, we don't have the data when it comes to that, right. but it's just drawing a line back toward that from the high-dose data that we have, is it real or is it true? And we don't know that yet. And so we're still trying to do a better job of talking to parents about it. Right. Because we, when you don't know for sure, it yeah. makes it a little hard to say, <laughs> here's the risk, yeah. uh, because we do know the benefit often. But the risk is a little dodgy. Yeah. And so when you, what uh, Diana's paper uh, looked at was when you ask uh, physicians who should tell the par- parents, yeah. uh, they kind of pointed at each other. <laughs> that, uh, the clinicians said, uh, or more physicians thought that the Radiolog- radiologist should do it. Yeah. And the Talking to families about right. risk. Right. And the parents said, no, I'd like, rather hear from my primary care doctor. Right. Uh, and the primary care doctor doesn't feel as comfortable maybe in talking about this because it's really complex. Yeah. So I think the, the lesson is, um, you know, we know from some of the Larson data and we know from the overarching data that you're going to get less CT scans at a pediatric facility. We also know from the Image Gently work and data that when you go to a pediatric hospital or a pediatric facility, you'll have less dose. I mean, you'll have less radi- ionizing radiation from a CT scan. Um, and then we're also learning nobody feels really that comfortable even talking about risk. So it's this big opportunity to clarify and involve patients and families to say, every time we're talking about a CT scan, we're going back to three rules, which is, you know, what's the alternative? Is- what's the alternative? Yep. Uh, could we not do anything at all? Right. So watchful waiting. Right. Could we use the test that I already had done previously right, to so answer this question. Like, if I have a disc that has a test that has maybe some of this data on there, is that going to be helpful for you? And then finally, if we have to do this test, if this is the right thing to do, in many cases it may be the right thing to do, can you tell me for sure that this is going to be dialed down to the pediatric dose? 
Yeah. So asking for alternatives, asking for dose reduction, making sure someone's asking if there are, is a way to use a previous study and potentially even avoiding diagnostic testing when we can. But sometimes we can't, and it's this great opportunity. Um, but of anything, right, I, th- I hope the world can learn from our experience that um, the knee-jerk response when, we, when we're uncomfortable and don't know what's going on isn't always an immediate CT scan. And you can really ask and clarify and be a squeaky wheel to make sure that you can look for options in a care plan that sometimes doesn't include a CT or even an X-ray that has this ionizing radiation. And as you said earlier, it's not the easiest thing to do to ask that question. Yeah. But I think the data is out there that the physicians may or may not have the answer. Like in that particular area, they may or may not know the risks. And it's worth having them just take a look, go to have them go to Image Gently and say, are we doing the right thing here? Is there an alternative? Yeah. And you can always get a pediatrician or your ARMP or your primary care physician on the line, too, if you're in an urgent situation for some support. I mean, sometimes you just can't say enough that there's often a care team behind you if you have a pediatric medical home to help support you even in an urgent situation. Of, can you just call my pediatrician and see what they think? And sometimes that can be a really nice way. It's, it's hard to get people on the phone, but sometimes it really does work. And we're all working so hard to protect these kids from unnecessary tests, but also get them what they need. And another biased um, opinion of why a pediatric hospital uh, is really useful is that with a pediatric radiologist, one of our jobs is to be available when parents have questions about radiation and whether or not the test is worth it. And we're happy to come in and talk. Yeah, I love that. Um, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining and for being willing to share these personal stories. My pleasure. So this is what you need to know. Be a squeaky wheel. Ask about alternatives and um, trust your gut because the reality is parenting is a high-stakes job. But the good news is you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 